0: Welcome everybody to the 12 to 14s girls seminar of 2023. Thank you so much to um, those of you who texted in questions. We have gathered them all together, um, and I have also gathered some of my friends who are going to. Um, we're going to do our best. We are not experts, but we love Jesus and we love you. And um, I really, really love this opportunity to be able to kind of ask, uh, answer some of the questions that you guys have got burning on your hearts because. For me, in this session, I've had the privilege of um, kind of being involved or asking questions over the last couple of years, and to me, it kind of feels like a big sister chat. It's an opportunity to just be kind of, to be real, um, to be honest, but just to kind of be really chill um, about the whole thing, just to be like, we're just here, we want to be able to, um, yeah, hear your heart and answer some of the things that um, you are curious to know about. Um, so I just thought, before you kind of listen to our answers and take on our wise advice, I thought it would be helpful to kind of just maybe know a little bit about us. Um, so I I haven't prepped my, my friends, but um, we're going to give like a, I don't know, like a minute's testimony or something like that, just so you kind of know who we are, where we're from. Um, that kind of classic. So I I'll start. Um, so my name is Catherine. Um, I'm married to Martin, who has been leaping about like a loon um, on the stage this week and covering teenagers in tuna. Um, I am 36 years old. Um, I've been a Christian since I was 15. I became a Christian on Alpha. Um, so I didn't grow up going to church, um, but. Yeah, went, went to an Alpha course, met with Jesus, um, and I've been kind of walking with Jesus ever since. Um, I have experienced lots of highs and lots of lows in life, so it hasn't been a straightforward journey, but God has been faithful. Um, I'm also the mum of two little girls. They are nine and seven. Um, the seven-year-old's been in kids' work for most of the week, and the nine-year-old has been illegally with me in 12 to 14s because it's the best. It's the only place you want to be um, at New Day. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Tasha oh I've got a round of applause
1: <laughs> hi I'm Tasha um, I am a, uh, one of the youth workers at City Church Canterbury um, yes well done girls thank you Emily <laughs> um, although I, I've had a bit of a break recently because I've, I've been on maternity leave but it's lovely to be back at New Day and hanging out with everybody um, I've spent a lot of my week in creche but it's been great. And um, it's just been really nice hanging out with our young people and seeing them go on their journeys with God this week. Um, I became a Christian when I was very young. I was really blessed to grow up in a Christian family. Came to things very like New Day um, all the way sort of growing up. And just really value that time of seeing so many other Christians together and getting that bigger picture of what God's family looks like. And how different everybody's journeys... Oh,
2: yeah. Uh, hi, my name is Carolyn. I am 54 years old. Seems worth saying numbers. Actually, know I am 54. <laughs> Usually someone of my family is here to remind me how old I am. I might be 54. Around, I'm around that, I think. Um, I... Have uh, I grew up not in a Christian house? Um, I grew up in quite diabolical circumstances. I think you'd say I had a very, very terrible, terrible childhood. Um, I became a Christian when I was 24, um, and is that right? Yeah, well, that sounds about right. Yeah, I don't think I am 54. You know, tag nabbit. I'll, I'll find, ask me later how old I am. I'll, I'll go and do some maths. Um, I uh, lived in London, grew up in London all my life. I pretty much was a street kid all of my life. Um, got saved. Uh, and 18 years ago, that number I do know, um, I moved to Brighton. So I now go to Emmanuel Church in Brighton. Um, thanks. I don't know who any of you are. not really. Um, and. Um, I love Jesus. I have three very grown up children and a grandchild. Um, and I have a husband who is the coolest man on site if you've ever met him, just so you know.
3: <laughs> Hello, my name's Taylor. Um, I, I, what, what's the list? How old am I? I'm, how old am I? I'm 29. Yeah, 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 yeah. My 30th birthday is coming up, so I know I'm 29. Um, I also didn't grow up in a Christian household, um, became a Christian, like Catherine at 15-ish. Although, well, I, I believed the Bible, um, at 15, and I became a Christian. I knew that Jesus had died for my sin, and that he kind of has forgiven me, and I can be with him. But I didn't really realize that meant that my life could change. So the next few years were a little bit blurry. Uh, I didn't look like, a, look like a Christian, whatever that looks like. Um, but I... What else? Um i'm married to nathan who is absolutely not the coolest guy on site he would say that he is the least cool guy on site but he is the best guy on site in my opinion (laughs) um no so nathan's here with westminster chapel that's our youth um oh hi wait are you hey oh so exciting yeah love those guys and um yeah i don't know what else yeah cool
0: that's it wonderful so there you go that's our panel You guys are so encouraging, I feel like, hi, my name's Catherine and you guys give us a cheer. Um, Okay, so the last couple of days you guys have been texting in some questions, things that you want to see us answer and we will get to that in just a moment, but I just want to take a moment to pray. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes and think about Jesus, just for a moment because I just wanted to set the tone before we get into all the juicy questions and I just wanted to pray over you and say, Lord Jesus, we thank you. For each and every precious life that is in this room, we thank you that each of these women is fearfully and wonderfully made, set apart by you, chosen by you for holy purposes, Lord God, and an adventure of faith. As we pray, Lord Jesus, that our conversations would be glorifying to your name. We pray, Lord God, that you will give us submissive and humble hearts, Lord God, to listen to your teaching, to listen to your spirit, Lord, we pray for wisdom to be uttered in this place. Yeah, and we pray, Lord Jesus, that we will have a bigger picture of who you are and the life that you've called us to. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so without further ado, Carolyn, I'm going to come to you first, if that's okay. So we had quite a few questions about dating, and one of those may have been your questions. Um, Lots of questions um, which I've kind of gathered together. And we can maybe have a little bit of a chat about, can I date? If so, what age can I start dating? And if I am allowed to date, can I date a non-Christian? Yeah? So that's the first question. Don't feel like you have to answer all of that in one go. But I'm going to hand over to Carolyn first.
2: Um, oh, there's, a scripture, there's a scripture that says, oh, I'm going to get this right, correct me. Um, all things are permissible, but not all things are expedient. So, you can do pretty much what you want. Like, you really can. You can love Jesus, you can do what you want. But does it mean you should do what you want? That's not the same thing, yeah? So, should I date 12 to 14? No. It's a really easy answer. You shouldn't. You really shouldn't. There's so many other things that you could do with your time, your energy, your love for Jesus. Dating, marriage are actually just distractions. And I'm married. Okay? Jesus said, the Bible says so many times, actually, it's better to be single. Imagine that. We talk about marriage so much in the church. But the Bible says it's better to be single. If you are single, you are at an advantage, okay? Why would you give up an advantage? That's like being in a race and someone says, hey, do you know what? You can start halfway down. You can have a head start. And you're like, no, 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 no. I want to go back to the beginning. And could you put some lead boots on me, please? I'm not saying marriage is a lead boot, but hear my heart, okay? You have an advantage. So first and foremost, no, you shouldn't date because you've already got an advantage. Why give it up? Secondly, um, there are two things. There are two statuses, single or married. As it is, single or married. That really is it. And so if you're dating, you're dating because you want to get married. Why are you dating when you're 12 or 13 or 14? That's like, why? If you are madly in love with someone, okay, madly, and you're a Christian and they're a Christian, and God's fire is in your heart for them, and God is saying to you, You're gonna be married, and you're gonna go and conquer their nations, you're gonna do all these marvelous things. You still don't need to date. You could just wait. Because you could be friends with that person, and God's plans and purposes will still come to pass. God is not going, Oh done. They didn't start dating when they're 13. Those five years, you know, of dating. That would have really built my kingdom. He's really not saying that. He's really not. And the best way, the best way to know someone, the best way to find out stuff about someone is when they're your friend. Like, it's solid. Like, if you go on a date, this is classic, okay? This is a classic dating scenario. You go on a date, let's assume you're older because the answer's still no, okay? But you went on a date, you're 17, you went on a date, you went for a meal, okay? You spend 1,500 million hours working out what you should wear, because you want that person to have the right impression of you through your clothes. And then you get to the meal, and everything on the menu is sloppy, And you're like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to eat? Because I'm going to look like a pig when I eat. Right, Taylor? You know this. Taylor and I love food. Okay. No, because we love food and we appreciate this. Okay. So you you don't want to eat. So you don't actually eat properly. And you're like, oh, sit up straight. Oh, he said this. Oh, my gosh. um, Oh, I should say this because I should sound smart, clever, and intelligent. You do all of those things because you're on a date. Okay. Now, scrap that. Throw that to one side. You go to the park with a group of your friends and the person you like is there and you're there and you just hang out and you play games and you're just yourself because you're going, you're just my friend. And that's okay because with my friends, I get to be me. I can just let it go and be myself. So no, you shouldn't date. How old should you be when you should date? The point where God says... Yes, this is the person I'm going to marry. Dating actually isn't supposed to be, if we look in the Bible, there's no like, oh, testing, right? I ask so many young people, oh, why are you dating that person? Oh, I'm just testing. I'm just going to see if they're the person for me. I go back to scripture, I don't see that. That's not the the template. It's not testing. You don't want to go into marriage, okay, I'll be quicker. Um, So every time you go on a date, okay, or every time someone hurts your heart romantically, what you do is you go, that really hurt. not going to let someone do that to me again. So you just like, just put a little, little layer of bricks around your heart just to protect yourself because that's your instinct. And then it's okay, you get over that. Fine, you're all right. There's no wounds. There's no wounds. So you go and date someone else five months, six months, a year and then you get hurt again and so do another wall. and ten dates in ten relationships in and then you finally do get married you've got this big wall and are you going to spend the first five years of that relationship trying to dismantle that stupid wall that you built up, trying to fix as Temi said, the scars that are covering you or you could just enjoy being a young person because it's so cool and I'm telling you all these old people up here are just going and all these old people around the edge of the room they're all just going man what I wouldn't give to be 14 and just do that stuff just live free in that liberty and just enjoy Jesus and go for Jesus without worrying about is my top the right color for that boy
3: Yeah. Yeah. Just quickly, um, just because I imagine there's a few people in the room, whoever asked the question, like, should I date? Can I date, Can I date a non-Christian? It's probably feeling like, oh, I think Carolyn is spot on, actually. Um, and But I just want to say, I, I, as a teenager, um, I was someone who loved dating. It's like my favorite, honestly, one of my favorite things to do, apart from eat, probably dating. Now, I think just to quickly say, there are things within us that we desire that I think God has placed in our character those desires. But how we outwork them, sometimes you've got Jesus saying, this is how you fulfill that desire. And then you've got the enemy saying, this is how you fulfill that desire. I love to date. And my family were worried about me. My friends were worried about me. If we'd go on a family holiday, I'd just go and find other people to be around. And they were like, where's your loyalty? And over the years, even I'm just processing this as an adult, There are things that I was doing, or the the reasons I wanted to date, I can almost split them into categories between what was in me because it was Jesus' purpose. For example, I'm desperate to get to know people. I'm desperate to meet new people. I'm desperate to be seen, not desperate to be seen, but to see and be seen and be known and be intimate with someone. Um, All of these things I think are godly things and God can satisfy those things. He wants us to be in community. He wants us to get to know people. I love New Day because I get to chat with you guys, chat with people like this and learn more about their story, ask them questions. They get to know more about me. We get to eat together, chat together. I get to get more intimate with God and understand who he is and to be seen and to see him, all of these things. But then there was the enemy who'd be like, oh, you really love to date and you want to come out and you want to be um, attracted to, uh, attractive to everyone. You want to be the person that everybody is, wants to be around. You want to be the most popular. You want to find your worth. You want people to want to um, have sex with you, basically. All of these things that the world was teaching, I was outworking my godly desires for community and intimacy and getting to know people in ways that the enemy was like, over here. This is where you can fulfill that desire. So I think the want to date, I would say take it a little bit deeper and ask yourself, what are the almost good and bad deep desires and the good desires that God has placed in you? And I agree with Carolyn that those can be found. Now I realize there's a healthier way to fulfill those desires without wasting all your time, getting super hurt, hurting loads of people because you were doing it wrong. Um, And the second thing I will just say in a sentence, should I date a non-Christian? I love food so much. And um, I, in, in, I think in a healthy way. <laughs> Good food, healthy food as well. I love cooking. I love, you know, just love food. think it's brilliant. Um, if I married someone that didn't like food, like if I was like, like what restaurant could we go to? What should we cook this week? And they were like, eh, I would be so bored, I'd be so bored, because it's one of my favorite things. How much more should my greatest passion and value and life's per- purpose be shared with the person that's closest to me? I would not know I would be so the word is just just bored and dry on the inside and just dead if, if the thing I love most in the world I couldn't share with my most intimate person. So if I feel that way about food, how much more with God, So I think it's just common sense. In a way, to find a Christian.
0: I think um, when you're 12 and 13 and 14, and somebody says to kind of start thinking about marriage, that may and probably is and probably should be like ages away. And you just sound like, we can sound like such killjoys for like, (laughs) such a long time. And for some of you, it, it could be like a decade. 10 years, that's like a lifetime, isn't it? And I just wanted to kind of, um, I guess, sort of fill in on the the back of um, what these lovely ladies have said, that there are really good, really pure, really fun ways to date guys. Um, But I think the motive behind it is the thing that we're trying to get across to you. It's really nice to be loved, and marriage is a gift from God, and God loves it when people do get married, Um, and it's really nice to be someone's special person, and it's really nice to be bought gifts for, and it's really nice to be kind of in touch with somebody who cares about you deeply, and that's all wonderful, but you're kind of thinking, every person that you date is an opportunity for her, and I think I was similar to Taylor, in that I loved, um, yeah, I, I loved the idea of being loved, I loved the idea of being in a relationship, and um, a, a Bible verse that's really stuck with me and helped me over the years is guard your heart um, because it's kind of the wellspring of life from everything else, um, it kind of overflows and I have had more than one time where, um, like over the years before Martin and I were together where a nice guy showed me a little bit of attention and my heart ran away and I was, I was all in, there was, no, there was no guardedness to me at all I was like, this is it um, and so we, sometimes we, we prize marriage too highly. And so you think every nice guy that you've met might be the one. And I think that I would just say, just chill out. Like, just relax and trust Jesus um, and build, you know, on your own self and your self-esteem and your understanding of who you are in God. Because it's not a bad thing to want to be loved. But as Taylor kind of said, God wants to be all of that, that first and foremost for you first. And for some of you, you might get into relationships younger than your friends, and that's okay. But you kind of have to trust the outworking of God. And with the kind of not dating or should I date a non-Christian, if you're not a Christian yourself, then you can date a non-Christian Because you have the same God, you have the same, or lack of God, you have the same outlook in life, you have the same approach. But if you have truly given your life to Jesus and you're saying, Jesus, you are my number one, then trust me, that's all I can say. Until you're there, you won't know, but trust me, you want to share that, you want to share your life with somebody who will lead you in that, will encourage you in that, will want to spend time and money in the same way. You're going after the same things. And if you think if you're dating somebody who believes things that are completely different to you, they're running in one direction and you're going in the other and the whole thing's just this massive tug of war. So um, feel free to ask us follow-up questions at the end, but I'm going to try and rattle through some others. Um, So I had another question. How, How do you deal with rejection and breakups. Maybe Taylor, I can come to you if you are saying you've been in a number of different relationships. Um, any advice?
3: I'm sorry, my brain is like, how did I? And what could I learn from that? Um, I think that it's so hard, that feeling, that breakup and rejection, if you've already gone into it, as you said, Catherine, with your heart run away, this could be it. All of my worth is coming from this place. This is how I picture my entire life. Because I think the Bible even tells us that we like to plan as humans. We like to plan things and how it's going to go. And it says that actually many other the plans in our hearts, human hearts, but actually it's God's plans that will win in the end. I think we can waste so much energy planning this perfect situation. And actually, I think it comes back to value valuing yourself, but also valuing the other person. Actually, another person has the right and it's okay for them to decide that actually this relationship or this dating situation isn't the right thing for them. To value them and to value yourself is to understand that both of you have that right to make that choice and it's not the end of the story. Like God's plans will prevail. Um, And I think... My mum actually said, it's interesting, my mum's not a Christian, but I do believe God can kind of use people in our lives to speak to us. And my mum said something that I found really helpful when I went through a breakup. And I honestly, I thought I was just, that was it. Like, I just cried for months and months. And I thought that nothing was ever going to happen that was good for me again. And she said to me, Taylor, you need to calm down. You're both still on this planet. The planet is still spinning. This isn't the end of the story. Like if 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 it's the right thing, especially with technology and socials, you can contact that person in a few months, in a year, but you need to take some space and heal. And she was so right. When I realised, oh, like we're both still like alive and we have technology, like I can contact them in a few months. If it's meant to be, I could contact them in a year, a few years. It's okay. And actually what happened in those situations was I didn't contact them. I did heal. And that was not the right relationship at all, but it took coming out of that, taking that space to assess it properly. Because when your heart has run run away, you can't assess the situation properly. And I started to realise that all of these relationships were not healthy. Some of them just weren't compatible. People that don't like food. People that didn't like to communicate. You've got to give yourself the space and the value to know that the, the story's not over.
0: Okay, um... Tash, I'm going to ask this question of you because we had... Um, there was a couple of questions from um, some of you guys being really vulnerable and we really appreciate it. Um, I'm in a relationship and the guy is pressurising me to do things with him or send pictures of myself um, and I don't want to. What should I do? Thanks.
1: Um, I think my... Like, instinct is, get out! (laughs) Like, you should never be put in that position, whether you're a Christian or not, you should never be in that position where you feel pressured or forced to do anything you are uncomfortable with. You are a precious, loved person. If anybody is trying to take advantage of you in any way, you remove yourself from that situation. And I know if you... If you think you're in love with someone or you think that they're the person for you, that, that often can, can be quite restrictive and almost a bit blinding to what they're doing or you can't necessarily see the, the negativeness of their actions. Um, I think talk to friends because friends are really good at going, that is not okay because <laughs> your friends love you, right? They, they're going to look out for you and they'll, they'll tell you if they think that's wrong. Um, maybe switch it over in your head as well if someone was asking that of your friend what would your reaction be because if your reaction is protective of your friend and they shouldn't do that then you shouldn't do that either um, going back to what Taylor and Carolyn said earlier about that hurt that, that goes on if you, if you do do something like send a picture that you regret or you share something with someone that can't be undone especially now like you've all heard it in school like you, you know that once you 've posted something that 's there, then it 's cached somewhere um, and if you then you know several years down the line, if you do choose to date a lot of people and you share a lot of images with a lot of people that are potentially then shared with other people, you you get the idea it mountains up suddenly, you have no idea, and then like, how many people have seen you and that 's really intimate That's that 's you like protect you because that 's something you can 't then get back. What was the rest of the question? (laughs) That was it. it. Yeah. Yeah. What should you do? Like, don't do it. Don't do it. You will, you will regret it. Like, hand on heart, I promise you, you will regret it. And it's, it's you. Like, protect. Like Catherine said earlier, like, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard all of you, because that's your body. That's your intimate bits. (laughs) Like, don't just, just don't even go there, because like boys are boys they think with other parts of their anatomy especially in the lovely raging teen years um, they are not asking for pictures of you to honour you that is, that is not what they're thinking um, so just don't, don't even go there please
0: I think also some of the conversations that I've had with people before is that um, he's saying he'll break up with me if I don't do this or he's saying if you love me you would do this and I would, I would say that's absolute rubbish um, I have two daughters. If if a boy asked that of my daughter, I'd probably want to violently hurt the man, um, to be honest. Um, but I, I would say familiarize yourself with what love is. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about love is patient and kind, but part of what love is, what God's love is, who God is and what true love is, is love is not self-seeking. Saying, please, can you send a picture of your boobs to me is self-seeking and therefore it's not love. So if you have a framework for what love is, um, then you know the behaviour that is acceptable and what isn't.
2: Um, I would add to that, if, even if morally and emotionally and spiritually you think, oh, you're still unsure, it's illegal for you to send a picture of your anatomy to anybody. The minute you do that, the minute you press send, you've actually broken the law. That's criminal. OK, don't get involved in criminal activity. It won't benefit you. Um, but also think about this, is that in any relationship you're in, any single relationship, whether that's romantic, parent, whatever it is, if you're a Christian and the other person is a Christian, they are your brother or sister in Christ. OK, none of my brothers have ever, ever asked me, can they see my boobs? I've got three brothers and they're pretty weird, but they've never asked me that. You know, they're not even Christians. So if my unsaved brothers are not going to ask me that, if any male ever asks you that, or any female, if anyone ever asks you that, they are not walking in Christ because that is not brotherly or sisterly relationship. And even when we go into marriage and romantic relationships, we are still, sounds a bit weird, we are still in relationships with our brother and sister. My husband is my brother, before he is my husband. And he, will have, he has to check his heart with things that, you know, if we're arguing about something, whatever, he has to think, oh, this is my sister in Christ. How do I respond to her? How do I treat her? So think in that in those terms. Okay. Just conscious of
0: time, and I want to get through as many questions as possible. So, Taylor, um, we had uh, similar questions around, um, can girls wear makeup and nice clothes does it matter if we wear makeup nice clothes
3: um i love nice clothes and i like makeup do you know what though um just to tell a little story so it took me a long time to not have to wear makeup um and maybe not nice clothes but makeup it took me a long time i would actually say in COVID, which that's just literally, what, like two seconds ago, was the first time I got used to my face, and when I realized that, and what I mean by that is I wasn't leaving the house, so I just looked like a slop the whole time, it was fantastic, Um, and I would see my face all day, um, and I just thought, oh my goodness, I hadn't noticed that I wasn't used to my face the face that God gave me, the face that I grew into. Why? Because if I needed to pop to the shops, I'd get my eyebrow pencil, I'd get a little this and that, and just a little light touch, you know, this and that, to go to the shops, to go see friends, to walk the dock. What a waste of time. Oh my goodness. When I got used to my face, I actually had to repent. I had to say, Lord, I am so sorry that I thought I needed something uh, extra to go out and be in the world. I've been taught all throughout life, school and different things that you needed to add layers and layers and different things to be worth something valuable, to fit into whatever it is. Um, so having said that, you absolutely should not need to wear makeup. I don't think it's necessary. I think it'd be wonderful if we all just walked around not wearing makeup. Um, I also enjoy makeup. I enjoy nice clothes. I enjoy the kind of rest and care of it. You were talking about self-care. I enjoy the art of it. One other thing I would say, and I, I want to be careful with this because it, there's a limit, I think. There are things that are, like you say, everything is um, permissible but not beneficial for us. In what I do, I go out and I speak to people a lot and I work in television. Okay, so there's a little bit of context there. For me, I know that When I go into my context on television or out speaking to people, especially out in the world, non-Christian young women, things like that, I know that if I... Look a little bit like them, or I share in some of their interests, that they are more likely to receive me and therefore have an opportunity to receive the gospel. There is a limit with that, okay? We don't want to just fit in with the world and do things that we know God is not about. That's not what I'm saying. But even in the Bible, we see Paul talk to people that are going out to share the gospel, and he talks to them about context. He says, okay, well, who should go into that context where they kind of live like this and they dress like this and they follow these rules? Well, you should go because you most in and maybe you should go and speak to those people because you understand their culture and their context um, that's one thing I'm trying to process at the moment I don't have the, the necessarily the right answer but I do know and I believe that a little bit of mascara and a little bit of nice hair has made me able to go and speak to certain groups mm. um, but that's something I'm working through and we should pray about that and seek the spirit on that
0: yeah, I think the the um, the theme that's going to come through this morning is motive, your heart motive. Um, I really enjoy makeup. Um, I just I like how it makes me feel. I like that it brings out my natural features. I like that when I haven't had a very good night's sleep, there's something I can put on my eyes that makes me look slightly less tired. Um, and I enjoy makeup and I enjoy clothes as a way of kind of self. Expression. I think I've been on a similar journey to, to Taylor to kind of be like, but I can not wear makeup and still feel loved. I can not wear makeup around my husband and he still thinks I'm beautiful. That was quite an eye-opener to me. Um, and I remember going back to the kind of, you know, the dating conversation, Um, The first date I had with Martin, we um, went to a pub and um, he ordered a raspberry flavoured beer um, because he wanted to show me that he ate fruit. Um, He said it was the most disgusting beer he'd ever had in his life and he pretended his way through that. Um, through that particular date. About a week later, we decided to kind of be boyfriend and girlfriend. We were in our kind of early twenties at this point. And, um, and I had a cold, like a stinking, snotty, eye watering cold. And I felt absolutely rubbish. And I had no energy in me to put a face on, to have a shower. And one of my, my moments of kind of falling in love with this man is I remember sitting on the sofa, I had my, my head kind of rested against his, his, his uh, leg, and um, watching TV, like feeling very sorry for myself in like you know joggers and whatever else. And he just stroked my hair and I looked awful, and I just remember thinking, "Wow, this man loves me." And that's like a week in. <laughs> um, and so we had quite a fast-tracked kind of um, dating journey because we'd been friends for about three years beforehand so I can kind of vouch for that but it was in that moment without my face and without my hair and all of that's nice like Martin enjoys when I make an effort enjoys nice clothing like that's okay but he doesn't just love me when I'm like that. He loves me for who I am and without all of that. Um, so, yeah, it's, I guess what I'm saying, it's okay to, to express yourself and bring out kind of your natural beauty, um, but do it from the right reasons and doing it from a kind of a secure foundation. Um.
2: I just wanted to remind you, though, honour your parents, okay? So if you've got parents that say, no, you can't wear makeup. And you can't wear makeup and that's okay yeah so in all of these things you know your, your parents have authority over you and they're speaking into their lives and you might not agree um and you might have parents who love the lord and you still might not agree with them all of that's okay you can still love the lord together and not agree together but choose to submit to their authority okay
0: um so next the next question um the question is how do you know if you have depression Um, and I wanted to take this one because earlier this year, um, I had a bout of depression. Um, and I haven't experienced anything like it before, but I thought I might as well share with you for me, I'm not a doctor. That's what I should say from the beginning. I'm not a GP, not a psychologist. Um, but I can share from my own experience. Um, so for me, I knew that I was going through a period of depression because I found life utterly overwhelming. Um, I cried most of the time. um, And I felt like my mood was consistently low. And I felt like the circumstances around my life were really good. I have a loving marriage. I have great children. I'm in a stable job. um, We're financially secure. um, I'm in a good house. I've got great friends. I love my church. And yet despite all of that, I just couldn't feel happy. And that, for me, was kind of the turning point when I realised I've tried lots of other things. I've tried having a massage. I've done lots of self-care. I've spoken to people, but I just can't seem to get out of this. And that, for me, was the moment where I thought, actually, I think this is something slightly bigger. And so I spoke to a few trusted friends. Um, I spoke to Martin about it. And um, I actually have had a, a... period of six sessions of counselling with a trusted Christian um, counsellor, and that has been radical for me, Um, being able to just kind of process, and God has used that, used that healthcare professional um, to help me kind of process some of the things I didn't realise I was carrying, I was thinking about, Um, and that's been really helpful. So for me, my period of depression was quite short. For other people, yours might be longer, deeper, uh, and more ongoing, but I would just say, please, please, please tell somebody. There is absolutely no shame in feeling like that. And one of the things that I now understand about depression and anxiety from going through it myself is that you just feel like you're going to burden other people. So you think, I can't possibly share this with anybody else because you go, you've got your thing, you've got your thing, you've got your thing. I can't, this is too big because it feels too big to you. Um, But that's just not true. The people, my experience of... Saying, I can't cope and I need some help has been overwhelmingly good. People were surprised um, because I think if you are feeling low regularly, sometimes we get very good at covering it up or trying to feel better ourselves. I was, it, I was only met with love and help and support. So please talk to somebody and um, promise me that you'll do that because um, there are so many ways that you can be loved and supported. Gear change. Um Tasha, I think I'm gonna to come to you first. We had a couple of questions about women in leadership and women in eldership. Um is there a difference first and foremost? Is God alright with it? Um
1: God <laughs> alright with it? Um this is a very loaded question because even in this room, you'll have totally polarizing opinions. We might even have polarizing opinions <laughs> set up here. Um, different churches say different things. Different denominations within churches say different things. I think the overarching thing is God loves women. Amen. There are a lot Amen. of people who think, and and a lot, I would say, especially a lot of Christians would say, yeah, um, God is like anti-women that women are subservient that they are less than men and that is just not true jesus was very counter-cultural in that he spoke to women and as a person in his role at the time a lot of his interactions with women would have been frowned upon and he he loved women. Yeah, he wasn't married, but he still loved women. Some of his closest followers were women. You look at the early church, there are women who are clearly in leadership. Whatever that looked like, they were clearly women leading. You look at the people who stood on the stage at New Day. They're not all men. They're leading worship. They're preaching. They are leading teams. They're leading ministries. They are leading in a lot of capacities. A lot of us up here lead in some way whether that's in the workplace or in church um we are just as valuable as men now that looks very different in different churches because some have different views on women being the same but different so in the our roles may look different um for some of you that might be a total deal breaker and you feel like you can't be in a church where women aren't allowed to be exactly the same um but for a lot of you, you may well be in churches where women can do everything but be an elder. Um, my advice to you, especially as you walk through teens and 20s, is like talk to people about it, read about it, read the Bible, read books about it, ask women, um, ask men as well who you trust <laughs> and find out. And I think it makes a big difference if you're in a church where the leadership If they are all men, so if you are in a church where only men can be elders, it makes a big difference if they value women. So in my church, which Catherine's lovely husband, Martin, leads, women (laughs) women can do everything except be elders. I'm okay with that. That's fine with me. And I think a big part of that is because the men who are in leadership in our church value women. At no point am I treated as lesser than my male peers. I'm not looked down on. My opinion doesn't count as less. I'm not treated poorly or as less because I'm a woman. Now, I know in, um, you know, small-f feminism or capital-f feminism, there might be, like, a reaction to you going, that is absolutely not fair. Why can't they do everything? We're exactly the same. I think it's... it's too big a question for a five minute yeah. slot in, a, in something like this talk to people talk to the leaders in your church just because you're a 12 to 14 year old girl doesn't mean you're not entitled to opinions talk to them ask them say to them why can i do everything but to be an elder why what is that T- talk to me about it if it's an issue in your youth group have a chat in your youth group about it get your youth leaders to walk through your church position on that And it is okay to disagree, and within Christianity it is okay to disagree. We just have to disagree well with each other because it's when we disagree badly that division comes into play and the enemy uses that to play people off each other and drag each other down. That's when you get men and women interacting negatively and women disagreeing with women badly, and that's not what we're called to do. We're called to big each other up and be each other's greatest cheerleaders. Um, I, in a, in a, not in church, I'm in leadership. I'm an assistant head in a school. I, when de- On days when I'm left in charge, I'm in charge of 450 small people and a staff of over 60 adults. Like I, I don't stand there and go, oh, I don't think Jesus would like this. <laughs> like, no, God's given me leadership qualities. That's my job. And you look, there's a lot of very influential women on this site who you probably don't even know who they are um, because God has blessed them with massive leadership capabilities and responsibilities. And if you're sat there thinking, God is calling me into leadership, whether in the church or in like not in the church, pursue that, talk to people, find out what you, what you believe, find out what the people around you believe. Um, yeah, I'm sort of going off a soapbox, sorry. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> I think
0: they, there is a clear difference between leadership and eldership. And I think sometimes in church we lump them together. So leadership is somebody who goes first and other people follow is effectively what it is. I remember somebody saying um, a leader without any followers is just somebody going for a walk. (laughs) So my understanding of, which I'll I'll try and summarize in a couple of minutes, but um, my understanding, the difference between eldership and leadership. So in the Bible, God appointed elders to oversee the church. They are under shepherds. They are um, shepherds of God's people. As Tash said, god values men and women equally we are both made in the image of god we are both equal before god but we have different roles and so a lot of the teaching goes back to um, the garden of eden where adam and eve were first made adam was first and eve was second both of value but adam was the head of the household church is like god's household and and so god says that men are head over the church Now, it's not men are elders and women aren't. It's that some men are elders and women aren't. So there are men within your churches that would not qualify to be elders. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? It's not just like because you're a man, you automatically get to become an elder, even if you're immature and a bit of a dingbat and you're no good at looking after people. There are men that are set apart to pastor and care for and shepherd but and also set the doctrine like the big what do we believe as a church. And lots of that comes from 1 Timothy, the book of 1 Timothy, and Titus. And in those two books, there is a list of qualifications, and it says, it's great if you want to be an elder, because an elder should be these things ding, 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 ding. And it gives a little list. So if you want to have a bit of a Bible study and look at it yourself, you can go there. But like Tasha said, talk to people about it, get into a bit of a meaty discussion um, and see what you believe. Um, Carolyn, you mentioned earlier about. Um, being brothers and, sisters, brothers and sisters in Christ. We had a, a question about how can I be a good friend, a good sister to guys? How can I behave in a way that's not then interpreted as flirty? How can I support guys who are friends? That kind of preface.
2: Um, mm, that's a good question. <clears throat> um, mm. Okay, Um, I'm going to go back and work one little bit, just to say in terms of women and elders and leaders, um, we don't all agree. Um, I have wrestled with this for a long time, and actually I'm not convinced um, that that that's my thought on that, but I think that you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Um, I go to a church where women don't preach and women can't be elders. I'm not in agreement with that, but I also know that's the church that God wants me in, and so I serve in that church and I faithfully choose to submit to the leadership of that church. I also don't have a desire to preach, to be fair, so it's probably slightly easier. But if you have a desire to do something else, then there is a place. God has a place in the kingdom for you to do that and to outwork the gifts that God has given you. And you have to work that out for yourself. You have to know the word and trust the word and trust the voice of God um, in that and keep talking to uh, the adults and the wise people around you. Um, how can I be friends with a guy without seeming flirty? Is that the question? To, be what? to support a brother in
3: Christ.
2: To support a brother in Christ. I, I, I mean, be friends. There, there are so many, um, there's so many examples actually in the Bible about friendship, and the qualities that we see in friendship are not exclusive to males or females and we can fall into stereotypes and be like oh yes a girl's friendships look like this and boy's friendships look like that and it's like I don't think that's what the word says you know so people need some friends some people need a gentle friend around them um, I'm probably not the person they come to for that. Some people need a loud friend around them. Whoop, I'm fully qualified. Um, you know, some people need uh, a friend who's just like really upfront and straight to the point. And some people need a friend who's just really tactful and just maybe says less. Um, and that's okay. So I think you're looking at what does my friend need is really important. Um, being really clear with people Um, that we are friends. It's such a simple thing. I said this when we were doing the single seminar, um, that Isabel, uh, when she introduced herself, said, I'm Isabel and I've never knowingly been on a date. Um, And that's because Isabel went on three dates but didn't know she was on a date. She thought she was just being friends with somebody and then they got really mad because it wasn't the dating wasn't going anywhere and she was like, what dating? I mean, we all think it's really funny in our family now, not at the time. Um, but so being really clear, just like, hey, as a friend, I'd love to stand with you on this. Hey, as a friend, I'd love to, should we get a coffee and go and chat about that? So just being really clear. So just like, I want you to know this is, these are my boundaries. This is what I can offer you. And even within... Uh, same-sex friendships, I would say the same thing, because sometimes you'll have a friend who just needs way more than you're able to give them, you know, you just I don't know, something else is going on in your own life, and they want lots and lots of time from you and it's really draining and you're really struggling, so be honest and say hey, as a friend, I want to say, this is what I can give you I've got this other stuff going on at home and as you can't answer the phone to you at one o'clock in the morning. I've had this conversation with my kids where it's like you need to stop answering the phone to that person. You, you haven't got the energy or capacity for that. So in all relationships, you, you get to make the decision, that is your decision, as to what you can give, what you want to give in that relationship. Nobody can force you and say this is what it should look like.
0: Wonderful, thank you. Um, Taylor,
2: can I come to you? I We've had a question. I'm the
0: only Christian in my friendship group, but I guess that could be I'm the only Christian in my family as well. Um, what advice could you give me?
3: Yeah, I've definitely been that person for a long time, um, family and friends. Um, I think it comes back to the question Carolyn was answer- answering as well in that um, people can see... Your faithful friendship and care, and changes in you as a person as you walk with Christ. Um, so, just going on to just going back to friends. Um, I have a friend who um, is a guy who's. Um, lives in my hometown not a christian and we never like crossed any of those boundaries or it got confusing between like friendship and romantic or but there's plenty of opportunities and those conversations were had um which means now that we might check in maybe once a year say if we're in my home like my home we're back in my hometown He wanted to come and see um my husband and i got a house uh, back where we live He wanted to come and say hello and, and one thing he said year on year is like Oh, you're always just like such a good friend and now that we're kind of grown up and all of those teenage hormones and the kind of you know all that like i think the idea of romantic relationships takes up a lot of brain space when you're in your teenage years because all these hormones are coming up and it sounds really patronizing but it's absolutely true your brain and your body are just messing with you um now that all that's gone it's like oh like you were such a good friend and he i was totally open about my faith like when we would hang out, say if we were cooking for like a group or having a barbecue, I'd put on like Christian music like my grandma, who's the only Christian in my family, um, would do and be very open. And th- there's always been this curiosity. So now we're in our late 20s. If something's happening, they'll come for, he'll come for advice. He'll come for guidance because he trusts that he's not a Christian yet, but he knows that I'm getting something from somewhere that he really appreciates I know it's the Holy Spirit and I tell him things I'll tell him things and not tell him that it's scripture and then oh, he'll be like that is so wise that just really spoke into my situation I'll be like yeah it's in the Bible it works and um, family the same um, being a witness it's what you say and it's also what you do the Holy Spirit changes us and if your family will see it I remember my mum my mum literally almost evangelizes without being a Christian by telling everyone she knows and all her friends, the change in my daughter. She was this, and now she's this. You know, she was, she was coming in, to be honest, drunk. I, I drank a lot as a teenager. Don't do that. It's really stupid. I would crawl in from going out with friends. Um, this was underage as well, so we'd just be drinking in parks. Like, who wants to do that? Crawling in and then crawling out to church. And that was the start of this kind of thing that my mum was seeing of she was this, but then she started behaving really differently. And everything that she was doing differently was better. It was better for her. It was better for the people around her. So I guess just, just continue to walk with Christ. Be a witness. Keep those boundaries in friendships. That is also not just romantic, but things that you know are not what God has for you. Don't just blend in. Because honestly, in maybe even immediately, but also in the years to come, people will remember. They'll remember that you can come to them. I have a friend, actually, Beth, who was the only Christian in our school. Um, openly, she was she was just great. Years later, she's my maid of honor, and she has a group of friends that we knew from school who are coming to her now, and they're not Christians. They're now studying the Bible on Zoom because they've they've got so far and realized I need something. And I remember Beth in school had that something. It's years later, so just everything you're doing now will plant seeds, and you have no idea the impact it will have later. Um, so yeah.
0: Wonderful. Um I'm very aware of time, which is the moment when you all look at your phones and <laughs> see what the time is. It's twelve thirty, so I want to make sure that I honour the fact that you've probably all got rumbling tummies and things, but um just want to open up to the floor if there's any if anybody has any burning questions that they want to ask us um before we wrap up, just put your hand in the air. Okay, go for it. Is God a feminist. feminist? Is God a feminist? I think you have to define what a feminist is. I I would say that. I think Carolyn, you covered this in your one of your seminars, did you recently? Um. So if a feminist, if by feminist you mean somebody that thinks that women are of equal value to men, then yes. Oh,
1: it's not on this
0: question. No.
1: Um, not on the question but just as a response we were, when Catherine and I were talking about the questions that had come through um, a lot of them are can I they're like they're permission questions which kind of says to us that a lot of you are seeking permission for things and actually we've spoken a lot about motivation this morning and I think there's probably quite a few of you sat here thinking but I want to date because I, I want to feel loved physically or appreciated or held or i want to wear makeup because i want to be attractive i want people to tell me i'm beautiful i there's this unmet need in you and i think there's some of you sat here going i don't like the responses i've heard this morning because i still want to feel beautiful i still want to feel noticed i want to feel loved i want to feel attractive even if that's not a boy, some of you just want I just want my friends to compliment me more because I want to feel validated. So I don't want to hear that I shouldn't date and I don't want to hear that makeup shouldn't be a big deal because I want to feel all of those things. And I just think you've got you've got the rest of today left of New Day. We've got some ministry team people here, some of you are here with your youth leaders. If you're sat there thinking, I just wanna feel all this, please don't go without praying with someone. Because I know that you can't see God, and for some of you, you can't feel God, but he can, like Taylor and Karen have said, that he can meet those needs for you because he is big enough and his love is enough. And yeah, he can't hold your hand or buy you flowers or go, hey, you look great today, but there is so much in the Bible about who you really are. So please, if you are that person or people, don't go without
0: talking to someone. Okay, just, we're going to... Ask these three questions, um, and then we'll break for lunch. Do you want to go? Brilliant question. What do you say to a friend who has come to you and asked you about Christ?
3: Oh, um, fantastic i'd tell them about christ i'd say he's amazing and he changed my life i think also um yeah tell them the gospel keep it simple but one thing i think is really effective if they're a friend um, often you'll know what they came looking for so you'll be asking them what is it that you want what is it that you need and then present that that jesus as the answer sorry so People might be looking for their purpose in life. People might be looking to know what happens when we die. People might be looking to feel loved or be known. And... Actually preparing yourself with answers to those questions. Be like, oh, that's okay. I think we all want to know what happens when we die. I know a guy that knows the answer. Oh, we all want to be loved. I know a guy that loves like you've never seen before. Or, oh, you you know, you want to know what your life purpose is. I totally get that. I know a guy who has plans for you. And it's a nice way to kind of bring in the gospel. That's what I try to do.
0: Fantastic. Go for it. If you've been in prison, would God still forgive you if you want to be a Christian? I would say,
3: heck yes. Oh, yeah. Heck
0: yes. No one is too far from the grace of God. Um, there is. If you got, I'm sure everybody in here is on Instagram. You want to follow at God Behind Bars. If you want to daily weep at what the Lord is doing in the prisons in America, um, there are people who feel set apart to go into prisons and, and preach the gospel and see people saved. And I would say the difference with preaching to prisoners is that they know they've messed up. Prisoners know that they've done things wrong. Prisoners know that they need saving. Prisoners know that they need setting free. So 100% there's some amazing stories at God Behind Bars.
3: And also, can I just say, and to God... He, he knows that we need him just as much. He sees us exactly the same. When we come to God, we need him just as much as any prisoner or anyone anywhere in the world. Um, he sees us exactly the same.
2: I just didn't get caught. That's why I haven't, I haven't been to prison. That's the honest truth, okay? And I'm saved. So because the justice system didn't catch me and put me in prison, what difference does that make? Salvation, I still needed salvation.
0: Wonderful, okay, one last question. How do you make Christian friends touched um, on you?
1: First thing I would say, put yourself in situations where you would like meet Christians, so whether that's church or if you've got like a Christian union at school or a youth group, um, be you. It is painfully hard to put up a mask and then maintain that with people. So please just be you. Um, And also, if one Christian or one Christian group hurt you, don't give up there. (laughs) Like, go somewhere else. Um, Because Christians are flawed people too. You know, there's a lot of hurt from other Christians because we fell out with them or they said the wrong thing or they didn't value us. So Please try other places. Like some churches are not going to get it right, some youth groups are not going to get it right, and that's okay. Like we're we are flawed people. Um, I would say just don't give up. Be yourself and put yourself in those situations. Find churches, church groups, Christian unions. Find people at New Day who are like local to you. Find other churches that might be in your sort of surrounding area. Because if you're from a tiny church and there's not very many of you, try finding like another one that's kind of you know within half an hour of you. You can hang out with them, make more Christian friends that way. Um, yeah, Any other
2: ideas? Um, I used to say to my kids like daily, we would just daily pray um, Lord give me the relationships that I need for today just keep praying God knows who needs to be around you and you, you all of you will go through seasons where friendships are not great or you'll go through seasons where most of the people around you are not saved or you'll go through a season where everyone around you is saved but that's all irrelevant unless you're giving it back to God. God, how do I be a blessing for the people around me today? And, Lord, would you bring around me who needs to be around me?
0: Wonderful. Okay. So I I would just like to pray for us again. I think or maybe, Carolyn, you can pray. Um, if you know that you're sat here and you strugg- you're struggling and you're struggling with your confidence and some of the things that we've said today, just like I can't imagine... Being that secure, I can't imagine being that confident. I can't imagine being so happy in myself um, that I only need Jesus. I just re- I would really like to pray for you, um, and then maybe and Carolyn, you can pray for everybody as well. But would you feel happy to do that? So.
2: Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father God, that you have fearfully and wonderfully made us, Father God. I thank you, Father God, that you have called us to be young women in you. And actually, you've left it there. You've allowed us, Father God, to be completely individual, to be completely different in the ways that you've called us. Each of our lives and the plans and purposes for our lives are different, Father God. But they are all in you, Father God. We are interwoven with each other, Father God. Interwoven and ready to build your kingdom, Father. So I ask you to bless, pour your abundant blessings on this group of young women, Father God. For those that don't know you, Father God, let them know what it is to be loved by the ever-living God. And for those that do, Lord, let them know what it is to be swamped in that love, Father, so they would choose you, that their decisions would be on you, around you, and that they would trust you enough, Father God, to walk in your way. In Jesus' name, amen.